A couple of weeks ago, I began a study. I didn't tell you this, but I, I don't think I told you. I began a study from First uh, and Second Timothy. And we're turning to First Timothy today to uh, glean from the, the books what we should uh, do, how we should live, the doctrine that we should follow, the teaching that Christ has given to us. Paul is writing in, um, in this book, as he says in verses one and one and two, he is writing as an apostle to Timothy, who is a son, son in faith. He is, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, the idea that we should be mentoring others, helping others to come to faith and to grow in faith. Somebody has done that for us and we should be doing that for others. And then he gets into, and we talked a little bit about the meat of the, the, the books here because he told Timothy, I left you, I put you in Ephesus to do a job. I put you there to, uh, to remind people and to command people that they ought not to teach uh, strange doctrines. So... Timothy had a big job to do, and we posed a couple of weeks ago that maybe Timothy wasn't doing everything that he could, and he needed reminded to get busy, to work hard, and to stand firm for the faith, the gospel of Jesus. And people who are distracting from the one true gospel that true faith, they needed to be told to stop. So in verses, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, I want to read this. I hope you'll follow along in your Bible and learn from it. As I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation, rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Some points from these two verses taken together. First of all, it indicates the uh, idea that there are strange doctrines or other doctrines. Therefore, we can, we can understand that it, it is true that there is only one doctrine. And when I say doctrine, you can substitute in the word teaching there. there is one, the idea of doctrine, it sounds like such a, um, a religious word, doesn't it? Well, what's the doctrine? Well, it's teaching. That's all it is. We're talking about teaching. What is to be taught? Jesus went around teaching people. So he was just giving doctrine. That was his teaching. All we have to do is think of is instruction. All of the Bible is doctrine. It is all here to teach us. So let us consider that there is only one doctrine that is acceptable. There is only one teaching that should be given, and that is the good book. So let us speak where the Bible speaks. And let's kind of be silent where the Bible is silent. That's, uh, that's 
another way of saying that there is one, one faith, one doctrine that should be taught. Let's just focus on God's word and stick to it. And it reminds me again what we had in the previous uh, couple of lessons have been on simple, authentic faith. That's the idea of simple, authentic faith is, hey, this is it. We're just going to stick with it. That's the simple plan. We're going to do it in a very authentic way. We're going to make it real. We're going to dive into this and follow God's word. Simple, authentic faith. There is only one doctrine, only one teaching that is acceptable. Notice some points here. Paul, Paul told Timothy to command others. So in my translation that I read, the New American Standard, it says, remain, as, we can, as he talks about staying Macedonia, well, he was going to Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct is what I have in mind. In my mind, I say I hear somebody instructing, well, that's standing before somebody or maybe sitting down with somebody and talking with them. And, you know, here are some things to consider. Here's what this means. But the language of that word in the Greek is a little bit stronger. Uh, I crossed out instruct in my Bible and I put command. This is charge people. This is a military term. Military term that means to give strict orders. It's command. It's instruct in the most strong way. Is that you say this is what goes and nothing else should be done. Give them Strict orders command others to not teach other things. That idea of strange doctrines. And again, how, how often would we talk about strange doctrines? Only in terms of uh, uh, religion or church, right? But the thought is, it's just other teachings. Other things. Don't teach other things other than what we have right here. Don't teach anything else. Nothing else is acceptable. Only teach the one true doctrine. Do not, that strong charge, tell others not to teach anything else. 2 Thessalonians. If you back up a couple of pages to the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 15. Paul writes there, he says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. So Paul is telling the Thessalonians, hey, you gotta, if you're going to stand firm, you've got to hold to the traditions which were taught, either by word, you heard it face to face, or you saw it written in a letter from us. Well, who was us? Verse number one, Paul and Sylvanus, Sylvanus and Timothy. And Paul speaking as an apostle, and we can broaden that to all the apostles. can make the case for that very easily. Let us stick with what the apostles taught. Jesus, when he left, he says, All authority has been given in, on heaven. And on earth, it's all been given to me, so go and teach. Go and teach. Every, teach the, tell everybody to obey all things that I have commanded you. So let us, let us consider that Jesus, 
he put this command on the apostles to go share everything. Go share the word that he has given to them. And so that's what they did. The apostles went forth and shared the good news. Paul was added as a, as a late apostle, but he was, he was recognized by the apostles as one of the apostles. Even Paul affirms that. Excuse me, Peter affirms that. It's the apostles whom we trust. It's their teaching. They were the ones who received the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit so that they would speak the words of Christ. The only instruction to be held, as it says, even as it says traditions, well, traditions, that sounds very, you know, traditions can be changed and stuff. But Paul says, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught. There is no tradition that says continue to add traditions. Continue in the things that you were taught. And they should have come by word of mouth or by the hand and writing from one of the apostles. Or in the case of Timothy, if Timothy is there, Timothy has the full authority of Paul. And if Timothy says it, you can trust it. And that's why he is the one who is told to go and command others not to teach other doctrines. So even today we think about what is our role, what is our duty. And our role, part of it is to make sure that we're pointing people to the one true doctrine. Stay away from those strange, those other things. Stick to what was written. These things were spoken and then they were recorded. Praise God, it was given to us. We have the word of God. Let us stick with it. But some people don't stick and hold fast to the traditions that are taught here. But instead, some people think they know more. Some people think they know better. But let us know the teaching of Christ which came through the apostles. And let us be able to identify false teachings. If we know this well enough, we can recognize false teachings when it's, when it's given. If there's something, that somebody's talking about something pertaining to religion and they're espousing something, we, we always test it according to this and we can recognize if there is something different, something other than what was written. Let us be able to identify that. Let's be able to know this well enough that we can hear and know whether somebody is speaking as of the oracles of God or they're speaking of something else. The other thing then is once we know this, then we have to trust it and live according to it. Notice at the end of verse 4, back to 1 Timothy 1. And it says, you know, these, these things that these other people are coming up with, they have other ideas and apart from God's word myths and genealogies, speculation. Um, and they do this rather than furthering or trusting the administration of God, which is by faith. You know, here is what we, God has given us this to us. Let us trust it by faith. Let's not try and figure out more things, try and add to it, try and learn something new. Let us just learn this, trust this. There's always something new for us in here to learn. Let's just trust what God has planned, what he has given to us is sufficient. This is it. Stick with it. 
All right, now on to verse number 5. So now that we've established clearly that the Word of God is given as the one, this is where all of our teaching comes from, we're going to be revealed what the point of this teaching is, what the end game is, what the, what the goal is, what this is supposed to work and produce in us. And verse number 5 says, But the goal of our instruction is love. From a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now listen to that. The the root of this sentence is the goal is love. The goal of our instruction. The goal of the command. It's love. That's what it is. Love. Jay spoke on this last week. The goal is love. Let us love God. Let us love one another. Let us love the lost. Love, love, love was the lesson that we heard last week. We need to be like Jesus. He loved the Father. He loved others. He loved the lost. Let us love. And Jesus is the ultimate example. If we're going to follow Him, then we should become more and more like Him. We should become more and more like love. God is love. If God is producing His Spirit in us and we are gaining His Spirit, we should have a spirit of love. Well, notice in that language then, it says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, It's interesting to think about love coming from something, love originating somewhere. It's love from. Do you see that word from? We can love if we start with the right things. So here are the three things that are indicated of where love comes from. Love comes from a pure heart. Love comes from a good conscience. And love comes from a sincere faith. That's the goal of the instruction. So the goal of the instruction is, the end is to be love. And what the instruction does for us in the meantime, before it gets to the end... To produce love in us, it first has to give us a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Here is what the one true doctrine does. It gives us these three things so that we can be growing in love. Growing more like Christ. So I have some questions for you today. As you think about the goal being love, you think about where it comes from. It has to hit home with us before we can go forth, before that love can shine forth from us. So I want you to consider love today. If you want to love God better, want to love one another better, if you want to love your neighbor, your lost neighbor, or the lost souls around us, then we've got to focus on three things. And they'll let the word of God, the one true doctrine, produce in us these three things. First of all, pure heart. 
Is the word of God working in you to produce a pure heart? You think about our hearts. Our hearts have uh, been muddied up with sin. Our hearts have been hard. Our hearts have been filled with self-will. But then God comes along and he cleanses our hearts. Think about the day that you were immersed into Christ. God took a hard heart and made it soft again. You think about that moment when you had a heart that was filthy and dirty. A heart that that you had just dragged through the mud with a sinful life. And God comes along and He cleanses it and washes it. God purified a putrid heart. Is your heart... Excuse me, has your heart been cleansed by God? You can't purify your own heart, can you? You got to hold on to the heart that God gave you. And uh, none of us is perfect. We make that point in the next uh, thought too. When When we have a pure heart, it's a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, we will sin again when we're immersed into Christ. But we always have that opportunity to come back to Him and ask for forgiveness. To repent and to renew our, our faith in Christ in such a way that He stick He sticks with us. We don't we don't uh, uh, drive off the Spirit. We don't grieve that Spirit so that He leaves us again. But we return to Him. We repent and turn back to Him again. And He continually gives us a pure heart. He continually, in the words of First John, He cleanses us of our sins. Do you have a pure heart? And so you should, in a sense, be struggling a little bit right now with, all right, God gave me that pure heart on that day I was immersed. And that's a beautiful thing, and I want to hold on to that. And I know I mess it up, but am I remaining pure? Am I staying with Christ? Am I continuing to walk according to His Spirit? And we should constantly be asking ourselves, Do I have a pure heart? When we gather around this table, we are asking God, Lord God, keep me in your good grace. Keep Christ in me. Help me to stay in Christ. Because I want a pure heart. I need a pure heart. Do you continually seek God first above everything? That's the reminder as we come together each week and we remember Jesus. Is He constantly first in our lives? If He is not constantly first in our lives, then we need, to, we need to reevaluate what it means to have a pure heart. God's Word is here to, to remind us and to tell us what a pure heart is and how to remain pure in heart. Let us keep turning to Jesus constantly every day. Do you have a good conscience? Though none is perfect... Have you done your best to live for Christ? As you think about this pure heart, and think about having a pure heart for Christ, it's, and you say, well, am I, am I really doing that? And I think, am I, am I really living my best for Christ? What happens in your conscience? Does it start to say, you know what, I can do better? You know what? The life I'm living is not as much a life in Christ as I would like. I can do more for Jesus. 
the wonderful power of God as we as we went through the idea of what was the spirit uh, in that Old Testament. The spirit was presented as that water that came forth and took the dry deserts, dead everything and brought it back to life. It completely changed it. The Holy Spirit is powerful when it works in our lives. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, I have a pure heart. Maybe I've turned away from sin. But am I really being all, am I letting God work in me as much as He wants to? God wants to to flip our lives from dead to fully alive. Do you have a good conscience today? Do you know that you are living for Christ? When you you were getting ready to take the bread and take the cup, was there something in you that said, all right, Little checkup on my heart, little checkup on my mind. How am I doing? The point of the Word of God is to teach us and let us know that we can have a pure heart and how to maintain that pure heart. And the Holy Spirit is here within us to say, hey, you're doing it good, or come on, we've got something else to work on. If you're not constantly saying, hey, there's something else to work on, let's go, let's step it up, let's be a better servant of Christ. I want Christ to live in me a little more each day. 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we think about being like Jesus, we are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory, a little better, a little better, a little better. And that's God's work in us. We can get in the God's way. Let's not get in God's way. Let's make sure that we're growing more and more like Christ. And this most basic thought of love and pure heart and a clear conscience is where it begins. Are we following this like we should? Are His words filling our lives? Have you turned from sin and are growing in Christ. I think sitting in churches today, all across this nation, all across the world, there are people who go to church, and that's what it is. They go to church. And they believe in Jesus. They'll tell you, yeah, Jesus is Lord. But Jesus isn't making them better day by day, they're still the same person they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, still the same. We can't be like, we've got to be growing more and more like Christ. We've got to be growing more and more of a pure heart, good conscience. When we're growing, we can have that good conscience, clear conscience. Coming to God and saying, God, thank you for helping me through a week. Thank you for letting me accomplish what I needed to do. Thank you for exposing to me sin that I could turn away from. Thank you, Father, for being with me. Help me to remain in you. Let's have a good conscience before God. Let's be growing in Christ and a sincere faith. These all tie in together. When you have a pure heart, you can have a good conscience. And then you know it's real. A sincere faith an unhypocritical faith a faith that is not faked does christ define your life every day is he your life 24 7 is your faith 
unhypocritical. So churches everywhere, we've got people who come in, proclaim the name of Christ, say amen to Christ as they take communion, and maybe some of them don't even do that. And then they go forth and live the rest of the week just like everybody else lives. Let us not be like. You know what, that, what that's like. Uh, imagine having, you know, if your faith is only working on Sunday, let's say you have a car, and that car only works on uh, Tuesday. How good is that car? You got to get to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. If you can't rely upon that car each and every day, what good is it? If you only have a car that works on Tuesday, sounds silly. But hey, with electric vehicles, uh, you get electric vehicles and then rolling blackouts, maybe that'll happen someday. I don't know. Sounds silly, but it could be true. But how many people live their faith like that? They have a faith that only shows up in their mind. It only shows up on Sunday. That's no good. You think that's a, a, a faith that the Father who created us, Jesus who is in our lives and wants to shine forth from us, is that the kind of faith that he wants? Is that a sincere faith? And so many times it's easy for us to look at other people as I talk about people in other churches everywhere else. Notice how I, I kind of leave us out. Oh, I'm hinting at us, right? I'm asking you to consider yourself, and we all just consider ourselves. But it's so easy when we think about other churches or other people. You know, it's like the, it's like the bad drivers out there. Well, that, that person's a bad driver. That person's a bad driver. If I make a mistake, oops, I was just a, I just was thinking about something just for a moment. It was, I'm not a bad driver. You know, it's, that was just one thing, you know. I forgot to turn on my blinker one time. I get angry at people when they don't use their blinker. Come on, use your blinker. Let me know where you're going. And then um, as soon as I forget to use it, I'm like, oops, sorry, you know. But it's... You know, it's so easy to be critical of others and less critical of ourselves. And notice in that word hypocritical, it's uh, the word critical is in there. Are you critical of others? You're critical of them when you see them live in, un in ungodly ways. But then you're not critical at yourself. You make excuses for yourself. Well, I can miss just this one Sunday. Or, um, you know, this particular part of scripture isn't that important you know and we, I don't have to apply this to myself because of something else you know it's like we're critical of others it's a little bit like um, it's it, it's parents uh, when we go into a, a store uh, you see little kids acting up and I'm like I'd never let my kid act like that but then if my kid's in a store acting up a little bit then I'm like you people don't know it's just he's just having this one bad day you know, it's the same way. It happens to us. It's so easy to be critical of others and then less critical of ourselves. And that's what Jesus was speaking about when he, when he talked about, hey, let me get the speck out of your eye, but you got a beam in your own eye. Let's not be like that. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's not have a faith that only works on Sunday and then the rest of the week it's puttering out. It's like a car that only works on Tuesdays. Do you have a sincere faith? 
an unhypocritical faith? Are you critical when you see others living in ungodly ways, but less critical when dealing with yourself? It all begins with God's word. Because as we think about having a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, those those are the three requirements. That's where love stems forth from. Love comes from there. And if you don't have a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, then you're not going to love others. And I ask you to consider, do you really love? Do you ever have trouble loving God, yourself, or others? And the answer for you probably is yes, because I think that's universally us when we really think about, I want to love God more. I want to love others more. I want to love myself more. Two greatest commands. Love God. Love others as yourself. We must love. We must be reaching out to to try and grow in our love. And it starts with this idea of a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Let's know this word and follow it. And then it should be producing in us these pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Let's follow God's word. That's why he was giving this instruction. This is his 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 commandment, I want you to go and stop strange doctrines because the one true doctrine is supposed to convert people so they have a, a, a pure heart, whatever it was, the pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith. Teach the one true doctrine, it produces that, and then it's going to come forth as love. But you have to start with the true doctrine, the one true doctrine, and not any other doctrine so do you have trouble loving God yourself or others then you're not letting God's instruction give you the heart the conscience and the faith love comes from these when we have trouble loving God and loving others then we must rededicate ourselves to God's word God's instruction to the doctrine the commandment Rededicate yourself to it. And only in knowing and obeying God's word can we have a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And from these will spring forth love. I want to ask you, how close are you to achieving the goal? The end product of a life of love. We can all grow And we need to be growing, ever-increasing glory. Let us be more like Christ. Let us always remember that uh, no matter how fancy uh, this is for me, you know, it's like no matter how fancy I might try to make a message or unique or whatever, an interesting angle to make us all think, the end result is for us to be like Christ. The end result is for us to have love. And that is so very simple, isn't it? Let us be growing. Let us be learning. Let us, because if we're not growing in love, then we need to go back and reassess our faith, reassess our heart, ask ourselves, are we being unhypocritical? 
How close are you to achieving the goal of love? Are you growing more and more? I encourage you to have a plan to get closer to this goal. Learn God's word more. Continue to apply it so that it's real and authentic in you. And then live that life of love like Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Christ, he is the starting place. He's the one who can give you that pure heart. I encourage you today, if you haven't given your life to Christ, please do so. Consider him. He's, he's calling out softly and tenderly. Come to him today. And if there's anybody here who wants the prayers of the church, I encourage you to come. Let us learn the ways of Christ and learn to love. If you need to respond in any way, you can come as we stand together and sing softly and tenderly.